0: Om nom- title, The Activities of the Prachetas. Today we are on text 5. Suparnaskandham arudho Suparnaskandham arudho arudho, Meru-shringam divam Meru Sringam Ivan Buda, Pitta Vasa Mani Griva, Pitta Vasa Mani Griva, Kurvan Vitti Miradishadha, Kurvan Vitti Supernas Kandam Arudho Meru Sringam Divam Budam Pitavasam Anidriva Purvan Viti Miradishaha Supernas Kandam Arudho Meru Sringam Divam gīvaṁ buda śiṇo bhagavā pita vāśa maṇīgrīvaṁ Paraskandham Arudho Meru Sringam Iman Udhava Sritamasa Maningriva Sritamasa Maningriva Suparnam Suparna. of Garuda The carrier of Lord Vishnu Sandham the, the shoulder Arudha Sitting on Meru of the mountain named Meru. Shringam on the summit. Eva light. Ambuddha, a cloud. Pitavasa wearing yellow garments. Manigriva his neck decorated with a kaustubha jewel. Kurvan making. mira, Free from darkness darkness. Dishaha All directions directions. directions. Translation and purport by His Divine Grace Srila Hyopar Translation The personality of Godhead appearing on the shoulder of Garuda seemed like a cloud resting on the summit of the mountain known as Meru. The transcendental body of the personality of Godhead was covered by attractive yellow garments and his neck was decorated with a jewel known as kaustubamani the bodily effulgence of the lord dissipated all the darkness of the universe purport as stated in chaitanya charitamrita madhya 22.31 krishna surya sama maya hai andhkar Yaha krishna taha nahi maya ra adhikar the lord is just like the effulgent sun Consequently, whenever the Supreme Personality of Godhead is present, there cannot be darkness or ignorance. Actually, this dark universe is illuminated by the sun, but the sun and moon simply reflect the bodily effulgence of the Supreme Lord. In Bhagavad Gita 7.8, the Lord says, Prabhasmi Shashi Suryaha I am the illuminating energy of both the sun and the moon. The conclusion is that the, original of, the origin of all life is the bodily effulgence of supreme personality of Godhead. This is confirmed in Brahma Samhita. Yasya Prabha prabhavato Jagadanda Koti. Being illuminated by the bodily effulgence of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, everything is freed from all darkness. Dasnai Shri Guru Venamahan, Shri Chaitanya Mano Bhishtam, Stapitam Yenabhutale, Swayam Rupa Kadamayam, Gadati Sva Padantikam, Karotiva Chalam, Pangum Langayate Girim, Yatrapata Maham Shri Guru Dinatarinam, Vanchakalpa Tarubhyascha, Kripa-sindhu-bya-evacha-patitanam-pavanephyo-vaishnavebhyo-namo-namaham. Jai Shri Krishna chaitanya prabhu nithyananda shri gvaita gadadhara shrivasadhi bhakta vrinda hare Krishna-krishna-krishna-hare-hare-hare hare Krishna, Krishna, Rama-hare. Rama Rama Hare 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 Krishna um, So the talks between Narad Muni and King Prachinabhari just concluded in the 29th chapter and now the focus has shifted. So this is a conversation going on between uh, Maitreya Muni and Vidura. And Vidura is now asking that you had mentioned earlier that the sons of Prachinabhari had gone to perform austerities. So can you please elaborate on their activities? And therefore now Maitreya Muni has started speaking about the activities of the Prachetas, what they did when they were sent away by their father. So it is ironic, the father was so entrenched in doing, you know, karmic, karma kanda sacrifices, sacrificing animals and Narad Muni had to, there were chapters and chapters in Bhagavatam where he had to actually preach to King Prachinabhari by using different, different allegories. But on his instructions, his sons had gone to perform austerities But his sons have attained perfection through the strength of their austerities. So we see in the previous verse yesterday that they performed austerities for 10,000 years. They went underwater and they performed austerities. And Prabhupada mentions in many places that in Satya Yuga that was the way to perform, to achieve the Supreme Personality of Godhead, like meditation, austerity. So they actually went underwater and meditated for 10,000 years. And the Supreme Lord is so merciful that He actually came to give them, give them darshan, just being pleased by the austerities. Like similarly, we see even in the Dhru Maharaj's pastime, when the Supreme Lord saw that Dhru Maharaj was doing such austerities, and that were, those austerities were actually to obtain a kingdom bigger than Lord Brahma. But even then, because He was doing the process of devotional service as instructed by Narad Muni, even though the goal He was seeking was wrong still the Lord was so like he is Karuna Sindhu, he is so merciful that he came to give darshan to Dhruv Maharaj as well. So we see in this particular verse, the Lord has arrived, being pleased by the austerity of the um, uh, Prachetas. And this particular translation describes the beauty of the Lord. And in the next few verses, we will see the beautiful form of the Lord being described and elaborated upon. Here it is saying that he seemed, when he was sitting on the shoulder of Garuda, he seemed like a cloud resting on the summit of the Meru mountain. So the Meru mountain is made of gold and imagine a white cloud on a shining gold mountain. That is how the Lord was appearing. The next description given about the beauty of the Lord is that um, he was covered by attractive yellow garments, varna, And his neck was adorned with a jewel known as kaustubamani. That is why he is called as manigriva, that he is wearing that mani, kaustubamani around his neck. And the bodily effulgence of the Lord was dissipating all darkness all around wherever the prachetas were sitting. So we are seeing that, you know, the Lord comes again and again to attract all the living entities of this material world. And he is known as Bhagavan. Now, what is the definition of Bhagavan? I was reading one of Prabhupada's lectures in this particular um, section when I was preparing for the class. And Prabhupada was saying that the Vedic scriptures are so perfect that they have a scientific explanation for everything like with, in some other faiths people are actually told to uh, accept things based on faith or because we have heard and you know you should accept things based on faith but in, in the vedic scriptures in you know this uh, Sanatana dharma no one is accept uh, told to accept fair things on blind faith for everything there is proof given in the vedic scriptures and therefore, in the Vishnu Puran, the definition of Bhagwan is given. Like we might say, oh, accept Bhagavan, accept Bhagavan, but even an elaborate definition of Bhagwan is given. like all of us know, the definition of Bhagwan is stated in the Vishnu Purana Puran as Aishwa Samagrasya, Viryasya vairagya chaiva Shannam Bhaga ganam." So Bhaga means opulences and van means the possessor of all these opulences. So while we are talking about the beauty of the Lord, like in this verse and the next few verses we will talk about the beauty of the Lord, that is one of the opulences of the Lord and therefore he is known as Bhagwan. He possesses that opulence in full. There is nobody else who possesses that opulence more than him. So apart from obviously wealth, Aishwarya says wealth, Virya is strength, Yasha is fame, Shriya, Shriya is beauty that is being talked about. And then jnana means knowledge and Vairagya means renunciation, being renounced despite possessing all these opulences in full. So why beauty specifically? Why does the Lord, why, you know, in so many pages of Bhagavatam, we see the beauty of the Lord being described in such an elaborate manner that too. When the Lord came to give darshan to Prithu Maharaj also, his beautiful form is described. So we see that there is so much focus on the beauty of the Lord and that focus is there is because the Lord is again, like I was saying, very very merciful. He's, he's Kripa Sindhu or Karuna Sindhu. He's an ocean of mercy. So he actually wants to attract all living entities who are suffering in this material world back to him. And therefore he has this beautiful form. And he comes again and again to attract all of us back to Godhead, back to the spiritual world. He wants to take us back there by making us, by giving us param drishtva by giving us a higher taste in appreciating his beauty so that we get attracted to him and then we go, we desire to go back to the spiritual world. So in this material world all jivas, all conditioned souls are searching for happiness. Anandomayobhyashat, like everyone is seeking bliss. Their heart, in the deepest core of your heart, even, you know, animals, any species we look at, everybody is searching for happiness in this material world. But where are they trying to find happiness? They are trying to find happiness in all the temporary things of this world. So we see that that hankering which they have, they are trying to satisfy by directing their attraction towards the things of this material world. But it is not giving them satisfaction. They are again and again and again dissatisfied. They are again and again again frustrated in their endeavour to find happiness in this material world through attraction to things of this material world. But if that hankering is little bit directed to the supreme personality of Godhead, it will give them supreme bliss. It will will give them the end, the goal of that hankering which they have in their heart to find happiness. So just by mere darshan of the Supreme Lord, we see in the Bhagavatam also so many people got delivered. Now, you know, example of Dhru Maharaj. Like when Dhru Maharaj was doing austerities, the Lord appeared there. Again, you know, he appeared in his four-handed form. It is mentioned that the personality on whom Dhru Maharaj was meditating internally suddenly was there externally, outside, giving him darshan. And that broke Dhru Maharaj's meditation. And then Dru Maharaj taking darshan of the beautiful form of the Lord, realized the futility of the goal of why he was doing all those austerities. And he actually says, he glorifies the Lord with choicest of verses. And he says that I was looking for mere pieces of glass when you are actually the diamond. So, I don't want anything else, Lord. Just, you know, your darshan has satisfied me so much. So, we see even there, Dhru Maharaj's whole uh, constitution or his whole uh, consciousness changed as soon as he had darshan of the beautiful form of the Lord. Even Narad Muni, who preached to King Prachinabhari and, you know, after um, the the Prachetas will follow the instructions of the Supreme Lord, getting married to Addi called Pramlocha, again Narad Muni comes to deliver the prachetas as well in the next few chapters we will see narad muni will come and talk to the prachetas once again to take them back to godhead give them messages of the path of devotional service but the same narad muni in his previous lifetime it is described in the first canto that he was the son of a maid servant and when he was the son of a maid servant he his mother passed away he was nearly a child at that time but he took it as the mercy of the lord and he started going to the north And that time he actually performed austerity. He was meditating on the Supreme Lord and the Lord gave him darshan momentarily. Like he got a glimpse of the Supreme Lord. But again, as soon as he got that glimpse, he realized that this is the goal of life. And then he realized he has to perfect his life by going to the Himalayas and meditating over there. And even in that section it is described that as soon as that glimpse he got, suddenly the Lord disappeared from Narad Muni's vision. And that made him very restless because, obviously, once you have darshan of the Supreme Lord, it attracts our heart forever. That is what happened to Naraduni as well. He started hankering for that darshan again and then the Supreme Lord gave him instructions that you go to the north, you perform austerities and you will attain him at the end of this lifetime. Same, same situation is there with the Kumaras as well. When the Kumaras are going to the gates of Vaikuntha, they are stopped by Jayan Vijay over there and then that whole pastime is there where, you know, the Lord comes running to give darshan to the Kumaras and to save, obviously, his um, gatekeepers, Jai and Vijay, whom the Kumaras were cursing at that time. So, it is described over there that the Kumaras are actually Brahmavadis. They believed in the brahma intelligence of the Lord, but they, they were not still personalists. So, they had still not realized the... Uh, the, the that the essence of everything is the personality, the form of the God, form of Godhead and not just his effulgence. They had still not come to that platform. But as soon as they took darshan of the Lord, it is described in the first canto, and as soon as they smelled the fragrance of the tulsi leaves which were smeared with chandan, which were at the feet of the Lord, they, they smelled that fragrance, they took darshan of the beautiful four-handed form of Vishnu. Again, they became personalists. Their whole consciousness changed and they from Brahmavadis they became um, personalists. So, everything, not only just the beauty, everything about Krishna is attractive. Therefore, Prabhupada says the word Krishna means all attractive. So, not just his beauty, like not just his form, but even his activities, even his um, abode, everything is attractive and therefore he is called as Krishna. So, Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita also describes <clears throat> that all beautiful things in this world. Like any, anything that we see in this world, even the beautiful sun, moon, the creation, mountains, valleys, and even all the jivas, birds, insects, everything that we see in this world is just a spark of his splendor. That's what the Lord says. So we get attracted, like we get attracted when we see the beauty of New Zealand, for example. It's a very beautiful place. Or we get attracted when we hear about Switzerland or the Swiss Alps. So we, we hear about all this beauty, we get very attracted, or we get attracted when we see these beautiful birds in the creation, even butterflies. Like you know, so years ago when we used to watch the National Geographic channel with Aditya when he was small, there was there are so many creatures which are described, viscra- which are you know, showed underwater in the ocean. They are so beautiful. Like at the depths of the ocean, they are fully transparent with some reddish tinges on them and all. And we've never seen these species in life. And that time, you know, like I was thinking, how can someone not believe that, some, that there is a supreme creator who has made all these beautiful species in life? The underwater creatures, you would never see them unless, you know, they were recorded by all these National Geographic channels and all. But such beauty is there, even in the ocean. And what to speak of this earthly planet? Like, we get enamored by the beauty of this earthly planet. But when Krishna is talking about the spark of his splendor, he is also including this whole universe. Which includes even the heavenly planets. So it is described that the apsaras of the heavenly planets, uh, in front of them, the you know this universe or this world from this particular uh, from earthly planets, they would look ugly. Prabhupada says that how that is how beautiful the apsaras are. That the most beautiful person in this particular earthly planet would would completely look ugly in front of them. So that is the beauty of the uh, heavenly planets. And Krishna is saying that everything combined together, all the beauty combined together, he's just, it's, it's all just a spark of his splendor. So that is how much unlimitedly beautiful the Lord is. So therefore we see, like, you know, I was again reading Prabhupada's lecture and Prabhupada was describing the beautiful form of Krishna. So he was saying that he comes in this beautiful form again and again and again to attract all of us back to him. And Prabhupada was very in elaborate details. He was describing the beauty. So every limb or every part of Krishna's body is, you know, we give we give a comparison to something in this material world, just so that we can understand. Otherwise, actually, nothing in this material world can be compared to any part of Krishna's body. He is so beautiful. So Prabhupada was describing that his eyes are like the lotus, the petals of the lotus flower. They are so beautifully shaped, like we've seen the petals of a lotus. They are such. It's, it's got such a nice texture and so beauty, su- such a nice construction, like such a nice form the um, lotus leaf uh, flower has. So he's saying the petals of the lotus flower, that is how his eyes are, blooming like the lotus flower. His face is like the moon on a, on a full moon day, on Purnima day, how the moon looks full and effulgent. His face is like that. His teeth are like rows of jasmine pearls. So jasmine pearls are a very special type of pearls, which are very tiny and very white. And shining and effulgent. So his teeth are like a rose of jasmine pearl. He's got curly locks of hair which surround his beautiful moon-like face. And they have tinges of red and blue. In his blackish hair there are tinges of red and blue. Now in the material world, you know men and women spend so much money to get their hair colored and all that. Like It's a booming business, the beauty business in Kalyuga especially. But Krishna doesn't have to do that. He's got that natural tinge, that reddish-bluish tinge to his black hair. His toenails are brighter than the sun and the moon. So the effulgence of his toenails itself is brighter than the effulgence of the sun and the moon. His eyebrows are like the bows of Cupid. They are so beautifully formed. And, you know, that is why Krishna is also called as Madan Mohan. Because we say, we, we have heard that Cupid is the most attractive personality in this particular universe. But Krishna is called as Mohan, He actually, there's a whole pastime on how he attracted Cupid as well. He completely defeated Cupid by his beauty. So his eyebrows are shaped like bows of Cupid. And his nose is like, like upturned nose. And it's like a freshly bloomed sesame flower. So I have never seen a sesame flower to to be honest. But I saw the images on Google when I was preparing. And it's so tiny and beautiful, the sesame flowers. So his nose is compared to that of a sesame flower. His uh, earrings are sharp, sharp shaped. So Krishna always likes to wear sharp shaped earrings. And these earrings are dangling beautifully on his ears. And like they sometimes strike against his cheeks. His beautiful cheeks which are so soft like silk. His cheeks are... His lips are reddish like the bimba fruit. And that description we hear even in the Dhamad When Mother Yashoda is trying to kiss Krishna. Like his lips are described as bimba fruit. And the, you know this is the beauty of his face. And then Prabhupada goes on to describe his threefold bending form. With a flute in his hand. So Prabhupada in the Bhagavad Gita. You know, you know in the 10th canto. I think in the 10th chapter when Krishna shows his universal form to Arjuna. And then Arjuna gets very bewildered when he sees this universal form. So he prays to the form and but then he requests Krishna that can you please withdraw this universal form? I am not able to bear it. And then Krishna you know, withdraws it to his four-handed form and then to his two-handed form. But in the purport, Prabhupada writes that as devotees of the Krishna consciousness movement, practicing devotees, we should not divert our attention to any other form of the Lord as well. Like even the in the Vishnu form, Our attention should be focused only on the Shyam Sundar form of Prindavan. Prabhupada says that as devotees who have joined this Krishna Consciousness movement which he started, our goal is to just pray to the Shyam Sundar, the two-handed, three-fold bending form of the Lord playing his flute. That is where our attraction should be. In fact, Rupa Goswami says, like we've heard it many times in many lectures, he says that if you, are, if you have even little bit attraction to this material world and to the things and the beauty of this material world, do not go to the banks of Yamuna on Vamsi and do not look at the threefold bending, the Tribhanga uh, form of Krishna, Shyam Sundar, who is playing flute under the tree. I think the... I don't know tree, but he is playing, he's playing a flute under the tree. If you see that threefold bending form of Krishna in Vamsi you will completely forget all your attraction to this material world. You will give up everything and you will just surrender yourself to him. So if you're a little bit attracted to this world, do not go to that. He's warning everyone that do not go to the banks of on the, uh, on the banks of Yamuna. And therefore we see that you know, as devotees, how do we access this beauty of the Supreme Lord? He has such a beautiful form. Obviously, we are, you know, speaking of condition for a person like me, we, I am not going to get darshan of the Lord immediately. Like, obviously, through years and years of pure chanting, then we can, like Prabhupada says, Rupa, Leela, we will get, you know, darshan and start realizing different aspects of the Lord. However, but for us, so that we also have access to this beautiful form of the Lord, Prabhupada started these temples in his corner. And Prabhupada always insisted on having extremely high standards in in our temples of deity worship. So that is why he insisted on having the most beautiful deities in the temples and also worship them and dress them very gorgeously. So if we see every day, like, you know, Sri Krishna Prabhu shares the darshan on the WhatsApp group. Because we don't come to the temple every day, we get to the darshan through his WhatsApp group. But every day we see, like, the beauty of the Lord looks like it's ever increasing in his deity form. They are dressed, in, in Melbourne especially, we are so fortunate. All the Putaris dress the deities so beautifully. The way shaligrams are also yeah, like, decorated and the way Jagannath Baldin, Radha Vallabha and Gormitai are dressed. We, it, this is mainly, Prabhupada set this up because Prabhupada was once questioned by reporters that why are you building all these big, big temples, these opulent temples? You are spending so much money on all these opulent temples. Why are you doing that? And Prabhupada said that I am actually ready to sit under a tree and, you know, chant the Hare Krishna Mahamantra and preach from here. But people like you won't come if I'm sitting under a tree. And therefore I have to create these huge temples, these beautiful opulent temples, so that people in this world get attracted to come and take darshan. We see our temple is also an evidence of that fact. Like on Janmashtami, we get thousands and thousands of people who come to take darshan. So, Prabhupada actually insisted on these high standards, so that we, you know, it's like a soothing balm. Taking darshan of the deities is like a soothing balm because the deities are non-different from the uh, supreme personality of Godhead. They are. It is archa vigraha. They have come down here in this material world to, once again to attract us by their beauty, to their lotus feet, so that we leave our attraction to the temporary things of this world and we develop this attraction, this drishta nivartate. We develop this attraction to the beautiful. Forms of these deities which are there in the temples. So, this is Krishna's kindness. He comes again and again in different forms in this world to attract us. In fact, he takes forms, uh, you know, incarnates as different species as well. Sometimes, you know, like I was saying, we are very attracted to different species because they look beautiful. So, he comes, as, he comes in the form of a fish, he comes in the form of a tortoise, he comes in the form of half man, half lion, like he comes in different forms just so that we somehow get attached to one of the forms and we start worshipping that form as our devata And that was not enough. He also comes, incarnates as so Archa-Vigra in the form of his deities once again to attract us. But it is very unfortunate that, you know, many people are still not attracted even though Krishna does so many things to come through his, you know, form, through his teachings, through his representatives. But still people aren't attracted to this form of the Lord. They are still very firmly attached to the temporary beauty of this material world. So today it's actually the appearance day of a personality in whose life there was an incident where that person was not attracted to the beauty of the Lord at all. And we're going to talk about that personality today whose name is Vakreshwar Pandit. It's his appearance day today. So, Vakreshwar Pandit was a dear associate in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's leelas. He was a very, very dear devotee of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And he was present in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's pastimes in Navadvip as well as in Puri. So, he had long association of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So, we see in the Chaitanya Charitramarita, there are many devotees who were there in Navadvip leela, but they could not participate in the leela when the Lord took Sanyasa and moved to Jagannath Puri. But Vakreshwar Pandit and there are many other some such personalities in the Chaitanya Charitramita who could associate with both forms of the Lord. When he was doing his Nama Sankirtan as brahasta in navadvipa and when he took Sannyas and he was doing his pastimes in Jagannath Puri. Both, during both these pastimes um, Vakreshwar Pandit was there as an associate of the Lord. So Vakreshwar Pandit took birth in the village of Guptipara near Triveni it's called and Vakreshwar Pandit it is described, he was an, a very proficient singer and dancer. That was his unique characteristic. He could dance for 72 hours non-stop when the Lord used to sing, Kirtani. 72 hours non-stop. He had that much energy and that to not that at the end of seventy-eighth hour he would be just dancing for the sake of it. Very beautifully, he used to continue dancing for 72, 72 hours. So when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu started, his pastimes of congregational chanting... Vakreshwar Pandit was there. He, was, he, he played an important role when the Lord came back from Gaya and then he started this whole pastime of preaching, the, you know, propagating the Yuga Dharma of Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare, Hare Ra, Hare Ra, Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. So at that time, Vakreshwar Pandit played an important role in the Lord's pastimes. So we know that the Lord specially used to congregate with all his devotees in Sriva Sangam. And there they used to have kirtans for long hours. And that, and even the Lord used to do lots of dramatic performances like dramas and all they used to do in uh, Shiva Sangam. So that time Vakreshwar Pandit played a very vital role. He would, The Lord would sing kirtans and Vakreshwar Pandit would dance for the pleasure of the Lord for hours and hours and hours. By this Vakreshwar Pandit's uh, mercy, a devotee called Devanan Pandit got delivered. And we will describe his pastime in detail. And he, he got delivered from the wrath wrath of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and he got the mercy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So this Devanan Pandit was the one whom I was talking about. That despite the Lord being present in his beautiful form of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he had no attraction, he had no faith in that form. But how because of Akreshwar Pandit's mercy, he actually attracted the mercy of um, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. In Ganodesh uh, Dipika. It is described that Vakreshwar Pandit is an incarnation of anu- Aniruddha of the Chaturviya. So we know the quadruple expansion of Lord Vishnu and Vakreshwar Pandit is described as an incarnation of Aniruddha which is one of the um, expansions. Elsewhere it is mentioned that Vakreshwar Pandit is also an incarnation of Tungavidya Gopi. So in the Sakhis we see Mayavu especially and some other temples also have Sakhis. there one of the principal Gopis is Tungavidya. And Tungavidya's service to the uh, you know divine couple Radha and Krishna is that she performs beautiful dancing and singing for their pleasure. And it is described that Vakreshwar Pandit is actually an incarnation of Tungavidya Gopi as well as, well as an incarnation of Aniruddha, which is the corporal expansion. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu personally sang when Vakreshwar Pandit would dance. Chaitanya Prabhu used to love to sing if Vakreshwar Pandit was um, going to dance. And during the Shiva Sangan pastimes, when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu used to sing and vakreshwar Pandit used to dance, at the end of 72 hours, he would actually fall at the feet of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And he would tell him that, O moon-faced Lord, please give me 10,000 Gandharvas to sing and let them sing while I continue to keep dancing. So that was his desire because we know that Gandharvas, there is a Gandharva loka in this material world and the Gandharvas, even Narad Buni, was, you know, in his previous lifetime, he was one of the Gandharvas who got proud of his singing ability and therefore he had to come down as a maidservant's servant, son. So these Gandharvas had the ability to sing. They are beautiful singers, like the best singer again, like we were describing the beauty of the Aksaras of the heavenly planets. Similarly, the best singer in this material world, would be nothing compared to the Gandharvas of the heavenly planets. They are so good at singing, they are so good at dancing. So these Gandharvas can sing continuously for hours and hours. And Vakreshwar Pandit is praying to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that please let these Gandharvas sing for hours and hours so that I can continue dancing. And 10,000 Gandharvas should sing your glories while I chant on your beauties. And then Chaitanya Mahaprabhu replied very lovingly to him. He said, "Oh Vakreshwarava, you are one of my wings because of the, of the way you dance so ecstatically in my kirtans. You are one of my wings. If I had another wing like you, I would cl- fly in the sky. So, this was the loving response of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to Vakreshwar Pandit. So, Vakreshwar Pandit was also present during Haridas Thakur's Samadhi. So, when Haridas Thakur left this material world, we know from the Chaitanya Charitramrita that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu personally did the Samadhi ceremony of Haridas Thakur, like he carried the body of Haridas Thakur personally to the ocean, which is near Jagannath Puri, he bathed him personally with his own hands, his body and then he did the samadhi for Haridas Thakur and there was ecstatic kirtan going on while this whole ceremony was happening and it is mentioned in the Chaitanya Rita that Bakreswar Pandit was dancing, he was one of the dancers when this ecstatic kirtan was going on during Haridas Thakur samadhi. So, Vakreshwar Pandit had many disciples, especially in Orisa. Because he was living in Jandanakuri, he would preach around Orisa. And he had many Oriya disciples who were still Gaudiya Vaishnava's only. And one of his prominent disciples is known as Gopal Guru. Now, you know, we must have heard, Gopal Guru is that personality in Chaitanya Charitramarita that when he was a little boy, his name was Gopal. And he was very devoted to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So once when he used to serve Chaitanya Mahaprabhu under the instructions of Govinda, who was the personal servant of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, so sometimes he used to engage this little boy Gopal, looking at his beautiful qualities, he would engage him in the service of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So sometimes if Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, when he used to go to answer the call of nature, Gopal used to carry that lota, which Chaitanya Mahaprabhu would need at the end of answering the call of nature. And he saw that obviously Chaitanya Mahaprabhu used to incessantly chant the Hare Krishna Mahamandra. And he saw that when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was going to answer the call of nature, he could see that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was holding his tongue very tightly and he was stopping the tongue from vibrating, the holy names of the Lord. And when Gopal saw this, he actually spoke to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in a very sweet voice, given that he was a little boy at that time. And he said that, my lord, why are you holding your tongue like this? And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu responded. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said that, because I am doing such an abominable activity right now, I am answering the call of nature. How can I allow this, you know, pure holy name to be vibrated from my mouth when I am doing this abominable activity? And that time, Gopal told him. Gopal said that, my lord, I know you are just enacting this pastime. Who am I to say all this? But... You yourself have said that, you know, Makari bauda Nija Sarva Shakti, Tatra Niyamitaha Kalaha. There are no hard and fast rules for chanting these holy names. And the holy name, like it is described in the Ishopanishad, is Shuddham and Apapavidham. It has prophylactic properties. Wherever it goes, it can actually purify that particular place and situation or um, person, even. So, how does it matter which activity one is engaged in? because the holy name it's Shuddha and it's Apapa with them. and you have yourself said that there are no hard and fast rules then and also the second fact is that Lord you yourself have said that death can come at any moment so death can come even during this activity and then if we die without having our tongue vibrating the holy name of the Lord then we will have lost the benefit of going back to Godhead probably because we did not remember Krishna at that time so this is how sweetly Gopal tells him And then, you know, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is so pleased with the way Gopal is talking that he says, he he attaches the name Guru behind his name and he starts calling him Gopal Guru. He said that you are the Guru because you are actually preaching what you yourself are also practicing and therefore, and you've said the right thing, so I'm going to call you Gopal Guru from now onwards. So this is how Gopal Guru had the mercy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu when, when he was so young. And when he grew up, he actually uh, took initiation from Vakreshwar Pandit. And this Gopal Guru's disciple was a person called as Dhyana Chandra Goswami. And Dhyana Chandra Goswami has written a book called as um, Dhyana Chandra Paddhati, it's called. And in that book he has mentioned that actually Vakreshwar Pandit is an incarnation of Tungavidya Gopi. So that is the Shastrik reference we have. That how, you know, he has, Tungavidya Gopi came down and took birth as Vakreshwar Pandit just to participate in Krishna's Leela when he came in the form of Chaitanya mahaprabhu So, Vakreshwar Pandit's worshipable deities were called as Shri Shri Radha Kanta. And these deities he was worshipping in the house of Kashi Mishra. So, in Jadhanath Puri, the house of Kashi Mishra is there, next to where even Gambira is there, where the Lord himself used to reside. So, Vakreshwar Pandit used to live very close to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and he worshipped his deities Radha Tanta in Kashimshra's house. And it is said that to date those deities are still being worshipped in the same house. If we go to Jagannathpur, we might be able to get darshan of these deities. So, you know, coming back to the pastime of Devanand Pandit because that is one of a very illustrative pastime which the Lord enacted to teach, you know, people in Kali Yuga especially practicing devotees what is the um, gravity of offending a devotee? That is the whole uh, essence of this pastime of Devananda Pandit and Bakreshwar Pandit then delivering Devananda Pandit and showing him his mercy. So Devananda Pandit was born actually in a Brahmana family. He was also there during Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's pastimes in Navadvi. So he was born in a Brahman family and he was actually very simple, very simple, very austere. He was not attracted to any material positions in this world. So very renowned since his birth. And he had taken birth in very good Brahmana family. So his upbringing had been like that. And very gentle natured as well. So he had all these good qualities. And plus he was very moral and pious. A very pious person. And he was also a deep scholar. But the only scripture he would recite and he would read from was the Srimad Bhagavatam. So because of his scholarly ability, he was able to give eloquent discourses on Srimad Bhagavatam and beautiful commentaries, he would say, on the Srimad Bhagavatam. And he, he, because of that quality, he had there were many students who used to come to hear Srimad Bhagavatam from Devanand Pandit. But it is mentioned that despite all these qualities, he had that tinge of Mayavad still inside him, where even though he was talking about the Srimad Bhagavatam, he was still an impersonalist in his heart. So one day during his Srimad Bhagavatam class, Shivas Pandit happened to pass by Devananda Pandit's ashram. And when Shivas Pandit heard this beautiful narration of Srimad Bhagavatam, now Shivas Pandit is a pure devotee of the Lord. So wherever he would hear this Bhagavatam being narrated, his heart would just melt and it would just get attracted to go and listen to the pastimes of the Lord. So being attracted to the eloquent commentaries of Devanan Pandit shivas pandit actually went to his ashram and he also sat down amongst all his students and he started listening to Srimad bhagavatam while listening to Srimad bhagavatam shivas pandit because of not because of the narration of devanand pandit but because of shivas pandit's pure devotion he started going into ecstasy and when he went into ecstasy he would, he started crying and he was to sighing. Like, you know, you, you give a sigh when you're really feeling separation from the Lord or you're lamenting because the Lord is there, not there. So, he started crying and sighing. And when the students sh- saw Srivast Kandit do all this, the students, they were, you know, proud. Lodi, Guru, Lalchi, Chela. The Guru was also, uh, you know, Mayavadi little bit. And the Chelas, the disciples, the students who were listening, they also obviously could not realize, you know, it takes one to recognize when it says... So they could not recognize that these are actually pure ecstatic symptoms which Srivas Pandit is displaying. So they thought this is, you know, who is this man who's creating disturbance? He just came, walked in today, and now he's creating disturbance by sighing loudly and crying and all that. So what they did was they picked up Shiva Pandit, and Srivespandit had lost external consciousness by then because he was in ecstasy and he had gone into trance. So they picked up Shiva Pandit and they put him outside Devan in Pandit's ashram on the street. And they came back and Devanand Pandit continued his narration. So when Srivas Pandit came to external consciousness, he suddenly saw that he is outside on the streets of Devanand Pandit's house. And he actually felt very embarrassed and hurt in his heart. That you know, somebody has just put me out in the street lying down, you know, like a beggar. So he was very embarrassed and hurt, and, but he didn't say anything. He just walked up and went away from there. Like he, he got up and went away from there. And it is described in the Chaitanya Charitharambhita that Devanan Pandit did not do anything to stop his students. So when he saw that his students were picking up Shiva's Pandit and placing him outside the house, he did not do anything to stop him. So Prabhupada explains in this regard, in this pastime. So he says that a teacher is always responsible for the behavior of the students. And therefore, because Devanand Pandit did not do anything to stop this offense, which was being committed against Srivas Pandit, he actually got implicated in that offense. And Srivas Pandit is a pure devotee of the Lord. We know that. So, when you offend a pure devotee, the offense is much, much higher. Like it's much greater. And Devanand Pandit got implicated in that offense because Prabhupada says a teacher is always responsible for the actions of his students. And in this matter, going back to the pastime of Jai Vijay, where we were describing the beauty, like how the Kumaras got transformed from being uh, Brahmavadis into personalists, just by taking darshan at the gates of Vaikuntha. So going back to that pastime, so the Kumaras were being stopped by Jai Vijay, because the Kumaras wanted to enter the gates of Vaikuntha, but because they were in the form of young children, five-year-old naked children... Jai Vijay failed to recognize that these are actually ageless sages. You know, they have been existing for such a long time and they are actually the sages who have come to the gates of Vaikuntha. They failed to recognize that. So, they Jay uh, Vijay actually stopped the four Kumaras from entering. And the four Kumaras became very angry and they cursed Jay and they were cursing Jai and Vijay at that time. Or, you know, they were about to pronounce a curse. And at that time, it is described in the first canto that Lord Vishnu came running along with Garuda at there, at that place where the four Kumaras were um, cursing Jayan and Vijay. And at that time, the Lord offers to the four Kumaras. He says that my servants have done this offense to you. You are great sages and I am very sorry that they could not recognize their greatness. So because my servants have done this offense to you, I am happy you can please lop off my arms. And take them as atonement. I am happy to atone for this grievous offense my uh, servants have done. And Prabhupada describes over there that it is the responsibility, if a servant makes a mistake, it is the responsibility of the master actually. That It is a reflection on the master. So the, the responsibility is on the master to rectify that mistake and to rectify his servants as well. And therefore, you know, Prabhupada goes on to describe in this particular pastime that. As disciples, you know, in the Krishna Consciousness movement also, we have such a great responsibility towards our spiritual master. So any uh, misdeed that a disciple will do, it is actually a blemish on the spiritual master's character and on the spiritual master's name. So we see even Vishnu himself was taking responsibility for the offence of the four Kumaras. He was ready to lop off his arm in atonement and give it to the four Kumaras. So in the same way Prabhupada says that as disciples, we have a great responsibility to act properly such that we increase the fame of our spiritual master. Not that, you know, there's a blemish that comes on a spiritual master's character because of our activities. So in the same way, Devanand Pandit, because he did not stop his students from doing this offence, he himself also got implicated in that offence because the master is responsible for the servant's activities. So when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu heard about this, he was extremely unhappy that somebody had offended his pure devotee Pandit. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was very angry also with Devananda Pandit. So he, Devananda Pandit and you know over there it is described that because Devananda Pandit committed this offence, so later on, like this was before even Chaitanya Mahaprabhu started exhibiting his pastimes of Namasamkir Pandit. But later when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu started exhibiting his pastimes and you know people in Navadvipa had started recognising that this is Krishna who has come, none other than Krishna who has come in this world. To propagate the Yuga Dharma. But Devanand Pandit, because of his offence, he could not appreciate Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's position at all. Like we see, you know, when Krishna is personally present either in the deity form or he personally comes. We know this from you know Mahabharata. Like Krishna was personally present, he went to Duryodhan's court, but still Duryodhan could not recognize. He was looking at the beautiful, beautiful form of the Lord but still he could not recognize that this is the Supreme Lord. In fact, he was making plans to capture the Lord and, you know, imprison him. So same way, Devanand Pandit, because of his offensive mentality and the offense he did to Srivas Pandit, could not recognize Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's proposition. He disregarded him. even, And he just continued his scholarly um, uh, speeches on the Sri Aguadarman. So one day Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was walking in Navadvip and he was walking outside Devanand Pandit's ashram, and he heard the Shrimad Bhagavatam being recited from the mouth of Devanand Pandit. And when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu heard that, he became extremely angry because he already had so much wrath in his mind about uh, Devanand Pandit because of the offense of Shrivas Pandit. So he said, "Who is this rascal speaking Shrimad Bhagavatam? I do not hear a single word of devotion to Krishna being mentioned in his speech." Or in the commentaries that he's saying. So Srimad Bhagavatam at the beginning, in the middle and at the end is full of devotion to Lord Krishna. It talks nothing but pure bhakti to Krishna. But I am not hearing this rascal say even of single word of devotion to Krishna. So who is this? Who has given him the authority to sit and speak on the Srimad Bhagavatam and give commentaries on Srimad Bhagavatam? I will stop him right now. He has no right to speak. I will stop him right now and I will go and tell his Shri because it is full of Nayavad uh, purpose and he is not speaking about devotion to Lord Krishna. And Chaitanya who actually started running towards Devanand Pandit ashram But all the devotees stopped him and he said, no, no, it's okay. Like they pacified the Lord and took him away from there. But that shows how much the Lord was angry with Devanand Pandit for offending Shri Rasa Pandit. So once Devanan Pandit actually was walking on the road and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his paths crossed. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu went and you know, walked up to him. He saw because last time the devotees had stopped him. So this time he saw this is an opportunity to you know, speak up his mind and chastise Devanand Pandit. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu actually walked up to Devanand Pandit and he said, You are speaking, speaking from the book Srimad Bhagavatam. You feel that you are you know, a great scholar, you have realized the import of Srimad Bhagavatam and you give long, long lectures on the um, uh, Shreemad Bhagavatam and commentaries on Srimad Bhagavatam, and you might have a big audience, but you are failing to recognize the person Bhagavata. So the book Bhagavata and the person Bhagavata are non-different from each other, but you have not recognized that fact at all. So he went and actually chastised him and he said that Shivas Sandit was a pure devotee. He is a pure devotee of Lord Krishna, but you fail to recognize him and you actually made, you know, your students put him outside and you didn't do anything about it. So for offending such a pure devotee, you will never have devotion to Lord Krishna. This was a conversation. Uh, he spoke that the essence of Bhagavatam is love and devotion to Lord Krishna. But you will be, you will never be able to recognize that even though you keep speaking on Bhagavatam for years because of your offense to the pure devotee Sri Rastandid. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu walked away and Devanand Pandit did not know what to do. He was extremely embarrassed that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is chastising him so loudly in front of everyone. But again, he just walked away from there and he continued speaking on Sriman Bhagavatam. So his heart was still obscure. His heart was not able to recognize the greatness, like the position, the supreme position of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And his heart was not able to recognize the position of Bhagavatam you know, as being full of love and devotion to Krishna So after that, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu took sannyas. He wound up his pastimes, the grahastha pastimes in uh, Navadvi. He accepted sannyas and he moved to Jagannath Puri. And during his first attempt, so uh, to go to, when he was going to go to Vrindavan, he actually came back to Kulia. But before, like once Chaitanya Mahaprabhu moved to Jagannath Puri, Vakreshwar Pandit was still there. Before he had moved to join Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in Puri, he was still continuing the Namasamkirtan pastime of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in navadvipa So he would still continue singing and dancing for hours and hours. And once when he was doing like that, he came to Devanand Pandit's ashram. And Devanand Pandit, looking at the attractive qualities of Bakreshwar Pandit, like Bakreshwar Pandit was so full of beauty and grace because of his dancing and also very gentle. He was full of devotion to Lord Krishna. So when Vakreshwar Pandit uh, came to Devanand Pandit's ashram, Devanand Pandit became very attracted to the qualities of Vakreshwar Pandit. And he, his heart was becoming humble just by associating with Vakreshwar Pandit and looking at his beautiful qualities. And even when, you know, Vakresh, is mentioned, when Vakreshwar Pandit used to dance, even all the demigods used to get enthralled and they used to actually stop doing their activities and come to take darshan of Vakreshwar Pandit's dancing. And all the Ashta-sattvika bhavas would emanate in a uh, Vakresha Pandit's body. So he, his limbs would tremble, his hair would stand on end, tears would start flowing from his eyes, his voice would choke, he would start rolling on the ground sometimes and sometimes he would cry out in joy, sometimes he would cry in lamentation So all, and then he would lose external consciousness and faint. So these are all the ecstatic symptoms which used to come in Vakreshwar Pandit when he was singing and dancing on the Lord's Kirtans. So when Devanand Pandit saw all these qualities of Vakreshwar Pandit, he was very attracted to him. And um, he started rendering menial services to Vakreshwar Pandit just because of his attraction to his qualities. And once Vakreshwar Pandit was doing such such Kirtan in, in a devotee's house and Devanand Pandit also went there And in Navadvip, whenever Vakreshwar Pandit used to do these kirtans, there were throngs and throngs of people who would come to watch his uh, dance. And they would become so enthusiastic that they would also like to start dancing with him. Then that wouldn't leave much space for Vakreshwar Pandit to dance. So then what Devanan Pandit did, because his heart was already attracted to the qualities of Vakreshwar Pandit, he had already started rendering menial services. So he would take a stick in his hand and he would keep this crowd under control. Like in Janmashtami we do crowd control. Like that he was doing crowd control when Vakreshwar Pandit was dancing. And he would move people a little bit aside so that there is enough space left for Vakreshwar Pandit to continue his dancing. Because Vakreshwar Pandit would have lost external consciousness by then. He wouldn't know what is going on and it could hurt him if he's, you know, like there is lot of crowd around him. He might fall down or it might hurt him. So therefore he would do this crowd control so that Vakreshwar Pandit could uninterruptedly continue his ecstatic dancing on the uh, kirtans of the Hare Krishna Mahamantra. So because of this service, he slowly, because of the menial services and because of serving Vakreshwar Pandit in his eternal service to the Lord, which was to dance on ecstatic kirtans, there was a great transformation which started taking place. So imagine when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was personally present in front of him, giving him darshan, chastising him, there was no transformation which happened in his heart because of the offence to Sri Rasa Pandit. But now just by this menial services that he was doing to Vakreshwar Pandit and this help, that service of keeping crowd away so that Vakreshwar Pandit could dance, there was a great transformation which started taking place in Devanand Pandit's heart. So... Um, because of this transformation, there was faith. Slowly there was a tinge of faith that started awakening in his heart. And as soon as he served Vakreshwar Pandit with faith and devotion, that transformed in faith being awakened in his heart for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And as soon as that faith awakened in his heart, just because of the mercy of Vakreshwar Pandit, he started regretting his you know, previous offence. So when, you know, uh, Vakreshwar Pandit, when he, had, he used to dance and sometimes he would fall unconscious after his dancing. So after he had kept the crowd away, Devanand Pandit would sometimes take Vakreshwar Pandit in his uh, lap because he, he had fainted already. And at that time, Devanan Pandit would take the dust from all the limbs of his body, especially from his feet, and he would rub it over himself recognizing that devotee, the dust of the lotus feet of a devotee can deliver someone from this man, uh, wall. So he was recognizing that position of Vakreshwar Pandit and he was rendering these services. And by doing these services and accepting the dust of Vakreshwar Pandit's body and his feet, these transformations started taking place in Devanan Pandit's house. In house. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, when he was traveling to Vrindavan, his first attempt to go to Vrindavan, he travels via, via Kuliya Gram. And in Kuliyagraam, it is described in Chaitanya Mahacharya that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was in a very merciful mood. So he actually was sitting down and he was calling everybody who had offended him just to forgive them. So many devotees, so we know Gopal Chapala, the person who had offended um, and his, he had got leprosy and his nose had gone off. So all these, there was a proud Brahmin also. Who had offended devotees? He came there and he told Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that I'm sorry when you know your devotees used to do Nansam Kirtan in Navadri, I used to think, What are these people doing? Just wasting their time singing and dancing. So I had offended your devotees like that. So he also came and begged forgiveness from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu actually gave him a very nice instruction. He said to this Brahmin, this proud Brahmin, that because of this offense collectively to so many devotees, you just take shelter of the holy name of the Lord. And now you also sing incessantly and dance in Kirtan. So as much as you keep chanting and taking shelter of the holy name and beg forgiveness from the holy name, your offense to these devotees will be forgiven. So that is how he was delivering everybody. And then he saw Devanand Pandit was sitting at a little distance. And by that time, Devanand Pandit's heart, heart had completely transformed. So, Vakreshwar Pandit, you know, when he took the dust from Vakreshwar Pandit's body and Vakreshwar Pandit came to external consciousness, he actually was very pleased with Devanand Pandit and he blesses him. May you get devotion to Lord Krishna. Krishna Bhakti Hauk, something like that in Bengali. he says, means may you get devotion to Lord Krishna. So, because of that mercy which Vakreshwar Pandit bestowed on Devanand Pandit, his heart was full of atonement for his previous action and his offense to Shiva's Pandit. But he was very embarrassed to go in front of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was forgiving all these devotees. So he just kept sitting in a corner. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu obviously is Paramatma. He's, you know, he knows the intention of everybody's heart. So he recognized that Devanand Pandit is now full of remorse and he's regretting his previous action. So he actually calls him and he says that, Oh Devanand Pandit, you come here. Come close to me and sit down over here. And he says, you have served and pleased Vakreshwar Pandit. And then Chaitanya Mahaprabhu goes on to reveal Vakreshwar Pandit's position from his own mouth. He says that Vakreshwar Pandit is the Supreme Lord's spiritual potency. He is the embodiment of pure devotional service. He is so pure that Krishna personally resides in the heart of Vakreshwar Pandit. And therefore, wherever Vakreshwar Pandit is present, all the holy places are there. And what to speak of all the holy places, even Vaikuntha is personally present wherever Vakreshwar Pandit is there and he is singing and dancing the Lord's names. So that because you have served him so sincerely and because Vakreshwar Pandit is very pleased with your service, Krishna's mercy will be upon you. And at that time, um, Devanand Pandit then surrenders to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and he atones, he asks for forgiveness, he seeks forgiveness for his previous offence to Shiva Pandit. And he says, I fail to recognize your devotee's position, the person Bhagavat, and I also fail to recognize your own position, my Lord. So you please forgive me. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, just because Vakreshwar Pandit was served so nicely by Devananda Pandit, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu forgives Devananda Pandit. And Vrindavan Thakur says in this particular regard that without receiving the mercy of a devotee, one cannot approach the Supreme Personality of Godhead at all. So if you know we are wanting to have the mercy of the Supreme Lord upon us, the, Prabhupada has also said and Vrindavan Thakur elaborates that the only way to approach the Supreme Personality of Godhead is before serving the devotees and getting their mercy. So that is the whole essence of this pastime of Bakresha Pandit, you know, giving mercy to Devanand Pandit. So it is said that Krishna is very strict, like we you know even in the pastime of Jagai Madhai. Lord Chaitanya Prabhu actually, you know, was going to release his Sudarshan Chakra. But Lord Nityananda fell at his feet and begged forgiveness on behalf of Jagai Madhai and said that my Lord, you've come to deliver people in this uh, uh, age of Kali, not to kill them. So please pardon them. So Krishna is sometimes very strict or Chaitanya Mahaprabhu might be strict. But his devotees are extremely merciful. Therefore for, you know, practicing devotees like us, the safe path is to serve devotees and through that, you know, try to serve the Lord. So in material world, like in offices, in the corporate world, we see that the lesser the layers between us and the big boss the better chances of us, you know, succeeding and progressing in our career. You know, we keep eliminating those layers between us and the supreme boss in the office. But in spiritual life, it is the opposite. The more the layers between us and the Lord, the better we have chances of receiving the Lord's mercy. So the more and more we keep serving devotees who are serving the Lord and we add those layers between us and the Lord... The more the Lord, we have chances that the Lord will notice us, like Chaitanya Mahaprabhu noticed Devanan Pandit and gave him his mercy. So that is one of the very important lessons we learn from Makreshwar Pandit's pastime. That how, you know, not to commit an offence to a devotee, otherwise we lose access to the Supreme Personality of Godhead, but also how devotees are so merciful, that even though Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had chastised and told Devanan Pandit that you will have no devotion for Krishna, but Kreshwar Pandit bestowed his mercy and he said, May you have devotion for Krishna. And that's what melted Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's heart to give you know mercy to Devan and Prir Pandit and forgive his offences. So we left the class here. Are there any questions or comments? Yes, ma'am. Thank you for the class, The question is regarding Kumana and Smash. I find it a bit confusing that last time considering that they Brahma the then should, Brahmavadis don't have access to my wonder planets. So if they went there, then uh, was it the first time they had Darshan of the Lord? Or? So it is usually described that Brahmavadis are very different to Mayavadis actually. So Mayavadis have no access to the uh, form of the Lord because Mayavadis are offensive towards the form of the Lord. Like they feel that this, you know, deity also which is being worshipped is for all of us to become Krishna. Like it is just a means so that we can then become Krishna. That is what is their um, uh, understanding. But Brahmavadis are generally very inquisitive. So they have still not recognized, recognized what is, who is the supreme. They are, they are still in the quest for recognizing who is the supreme. So I think Prabhupada gives this beautiful example of the train. So Prabhupada says that, you know, before the train comes on the platform, we see the bright light then we hear the sound, like from the distance we see the bright light, then we start hearing the sound of the train and slowly we see the train, all the compartments coming onto the platform. So somebody who might see from far away and say that, oh, the train is a bright light because they see the bright light and go away, then they have recognized only that much. But then somebody is more inquisitive and stays. that, no, I want to see further what happens. And then they realize that the train has a form which has come on the platform. So like that, Prabhupada describes that Brahmavadis are very inquisitive still and they are still on the quest for looking, looking, like they are still wanting to find out what is beyond this Brahmad. And therefore, you know, in that quest, the, uh, it is described that four Kumaras had gone to Vaikuntha. So that was their first darshan, it is said in the Bhagavata least. They have their first darshan of the Lord and at that time the darshan of the Lord attracts them to become personalists from uh, Brahmavadis. Any other questions or comments, corrections? As you are mentioning, the Vakrishna uh, Pramit is a uh, personal incarnation of Ayurveda and personal incarnation of Tungavidya. I was just trying like to, in a layman's term, how do we understand these multi-personality in, into a one personality in, in, in executing their devotion and serving in this way? So just for, from a layman's purpose perspective, how do we understand that? Yeah, so in the scriptures, Prabhuji, you would know the answer, but still what I have uh, read, in the scriptures there are many such examples of different personalities. Of different personalities who come as a combined incarnation. So, if I'm not wrong, even Ramanand Rai was a combined incarnation of Arjuna and I forgot the other personality who had come as Ramanand Rai. And even if we see, um, you know, Krishna's parents like Yashoda, Nanda Maharaj, or Devaki Vasudev. So, it is described that there is a Jiva who is trying to attain perfection, like, you know, Krishni, Suttapavi, see they do austerities to achieve this Lord as their son. So they become the parents of the Lord, but also the uh, Nitya Siddha, Yashoda, and uh, Nanda they also come combined in that particular form of Yashoda in this material world. So even though Krishna and Sita might have obtained the uh, form of the parents of the Lord, but that does not stop from the eternal parents of the Lord also coming as a combined incarnation in that particular um, that particular yuga, where they are serving as the parents of Krishna. So we see many such examples are there in the scriptures where you know two two personalities combine to perform one particular pastime. So from what I recognize uh, is that whenever when Krishna was coming down from the spiritual world, he decided to come as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So that time Radha Ali was very upset and she said that I also want to take part in your pastimes, but you're going to take the form of sannyasi. So you know then how do you, how and I don't want you to go without me. And that is how all the, you know, Radharani and all the Ashtasakhis, every personality was in a female form came, into, came in a male form to serve Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in his pastimes. So that is how we understand the Tungavidya Gopi coming as one of the years, But I am not too sure about the Aniruddha part. <laughs> but we see there are many such examples where, you know, two personalities combine to serve the Lord in different moods. Any other questions? We'll end the class here. Grant, right,